Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome back to Option Forward. We're always joined by some amazing guests. But before I get into our amazing guests today, I want to say what's up to our co-host, GQ Nest. <laughs> GQ, wow. GQ Nesta, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Energetic, ready to get this cracking. You know what I mean? Uh, blessed to be out here. So, yeah, let's let's get this popping. Okay, okay. And ladies and gentlemen, we have that... Uh, I would say get out of jail free car today, right? So a lot of times there's uh, the behind the scenes, the legal aspects to things as far as, especially in the entertainment industry, and we got somebody who will provide some uh, insight on that. And I, I want to just let her introduce herself because I don't want to murder her name, <laughs> all right? But ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the show. Was it Jenin? Jenin. Jenin, I, I got it right. Yes, so, you did. All right, um, how are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. How are you guys? I'm good. Doing we're, good. We're good. We're good. How was your drive over here? Um, it was an hour coming coming this way with traffic, but it was it was fine. Okay, not too crazy. Right. What, what were you listening to on the way over? Um, the new. I was listening to the little baby single, and then Babyface Ray. Um, what else? Um, the new uh, Fabi album. Okay, no, I know who that. Oh, no, yeah. your car was uh, cracking. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's really was good. Cracking. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, tell the listeners and the viewers a little bit about yourself. I know you got a legal background, but I don't want to explain something that I don't know what I'm talking about, right? So I'll let you do that. So what's your background and, and, and what do you do? So my background is um, from Finland originally. Um, I moved out here to LA 12 years ago, um, but I'm half Finnish, half Nigerian. Um, I went to school out here, so I went to college out here, and then I went to law school took the bar, passed on my first try, and then I've been practicing for about five years now. Um, I started in uh, a large law firm. I moved to a boutique uh, entertainment firm, and now I'm on my own doing entertainment and business law. Okay, so how was, how was the bar? Like, how many questions? What, what, what are we looking at here? What's the time frame? How did long you study? Yeah, did you uh, bring I it? I studied my ass off. <laughs> um, you can't take the bar without studying. So I we graduated in May. Um, the bar is in July. The bar is held twice a year. And you study basically from the day after graduation until the bar, which is about 10 weeks. So, um, yeah, I started studying literally the day after my graduation. My family was in town. I did my prep course. Studied for 10 weeks, like eight hours a day, probably, and didn't Smashed. see my friends or anyone, right. but took the bar and passed it. Um, the bar is, my, I took the first two-day bar exam. Um, so the bar t- used to be three days, and then they switched it to two days um, with a more compact schedule. Um, so yeah, I took the bar and passed it, luckily. Didn't have to worry about it again, because it was it was brutal, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's a very hard exam. So what I was just, your first thought, like, as soon as you passed it, like, were you, you, you what was, like, the first thing that popped in your mind Obviously. I mean I was <laughs> I was so stressed out because um th- so you take the bar in the end of July you don't get the results back until November mid November so you're like in this limbo stage for what is it almost 4 months oh my god like 3 and a half months where you're like I was working as a law clerk but they can't even hire you as an attorney because they don't know if you're going to pass the bar so you're a law clerk or some people they take the time off to you know travel or whatever but you're in a limbo stage and you don't know if you passed, if you have to start studying again right after you get the results back, which happens to a lot of people. So it's a pretty stressful time. Um, I was crying like the whole day <laughs> before I even knew whether I was going to pass or not. I'm not a crier, but I was just like so stressed out because it's like you've been working, you've been going to school for seven years, right? Then you study for two months nonstop. You take the bar and now you're like, you're, the fate is in like, you know, someone else's hands um, and you have to go on this computer screen put your information or you like put your information and you see if you've passed, like if you're on the list basically. So it's, it's a pretty crazy, crazy day for everyone who takes the bar exam. Was there like a plan B if you didn't pass? The plan B is mo- for most people to take it again. Okay. Um, like I know okay. people who have taken it six times. I know people who have taken it three times, 
seven times five times so, like, so you just knew you're like i'm passing this like one way or another that was my goal and i i feel like i did prepare a lot so i was i was like i kind of became obsessed with the bar like i was listening to podcasts and i was just doing like everything i could um to pass the bar so i didn't really see friends or anyone um like i i went out like twice in that two and a half month period um probably for like fourth of july memorial day or whatever but i i was just studying i was at home getting massages, getting my like meals delivered. Like I was just like super structured and I was like, you know, I have to pass. I don't want to do this again. So. so so you mentioned you're very um that you were like, you know, you have that sassiness and you were, you just knew you were going to be a, a lawyer. What at what age was that that you were just like this is where I'm I'm going to be and then you just basically manifest it to to reality. It's so funny you should say manifestation because I I literally did manifest it <laughs> into reality. Um I was about 15. I want to say, and I always make this joke like, oh, I watched Legally Blonde and I was like, I'm going to be an attorney. But that wasn't exactly how it went. But I so my mom was an immigration attorney. She doesn't practice law anymore. She works for the government. But I would see her help a lot of people like in the immigration space. And I was like, I want to help people. I love what she does. She impacts a lot of lives. So I always saw that. I was like, you know what? I want to be an attorney. But I didn't know exactly what type of law I wanted to practice. Um, I was into like human rights law before and just like helping individuals. so that was that was kind of where my thinking was, and I just like that movie, like ironic, like just you know, was a little push, like damn, like it's you know, I can be a powerful woman. If she can do it, like <laughs> exactly. you know what I mean, this she is good. Really this is good. She I made it look so easy, <laughs> right? And she wore pink. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I was always like super, like girly and kind of like sassy and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Argumentative people say people say that I'm argumentative. I'm like I'm just straightforward. Um, so I always had that nature of like being a go getter and just being ambitious. And I was like, I'm gonna be an attorney. And then yeah, like years later, um, I went to law school. Nice. So, so you said you started off working for another practice, and now you're doing your own. Like as far as the independent thing, what made you transition to that point? Was it something that you saw when you was working for? A corporation or organization or whatever you want to call it where you was like nah I need to I need to branch out on my own what caused that transition so when I started out I was working in litigation so I asked for a judge while I was in law school worked for a couple of firms um, and I wasn't clear if I wanted to start out in entertainment or if I wanted like a more general um, experience first so um, my law school really pushed us to go after our dreams but also like get more broad experience first and then you know get a, a specific niche. So I felt like, okay, let me get a more general experience. So I, I worked in business litigation. Um, I worked for a firm, we did litigation, I did business and IP matters, intellectual property. Um, and I just knew that I wanted to do entertainment. So I was I did some entertainment work before law school. Um, and everyone was always like, you need to do entertainment, you need to do entertainment. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. So after a few years of doing litigation, uh, business litigation, I was like, you know what, I think it's time. Um, so I went to a boutique entertainment firm that specialized in music. And that was kind of like the confirmation, like, yeah, this is what I need to be doing. Um, I was there um, and I started having clients on the side just because of all my friends, um, all my friends and all my people are, are in entertainment. So they would always refer people to my firm or to me. Um, and I just started getting more clients and I was like, you know what, I think I can do my own thing. It makes sense. Um, I have the experience now, I have the confidence. So that's, yeah, I've been on my own full time for about two years, but um, I started about four years, um, okay. four years ago. So so like, what is it, one of those, th- the, the hardest things that you've gone through, obviously, you know, coming to LA and then being a woman, uh, being in the law industry, what what, what are some hurdles and, and stuff that you've encountered throughout the process that kind of, you know, made you grow as, as a person, an attorney, all that? I definitely would say like, like you mentioned, you know, being a woman and stuff, I feel like that's one hurdle. Mm-hmm. Like law is definitely a male dominated industry still. Uh, I've been blessed to work with a lot of amazing women partners in the industry, but it's still a very male heavy um, industry. So like at my old law firm or my first law firm, it was, you know, probably like 70% men, 30% women. And I feel like as a woman in this industry, you have to work harder to prove that you're, I wouldn't say worthy, but that you have the, you know, credentials or experiences. And, you know, we have the same (laughs) experiences and credentials as our male counterparts, but sometimes we'll just have to work a little bit harder to be taken seriously. Um, and I know that myself and a couple other women in the industry are definitely trying to change that because I feel like even with like what you wear or how you talk or how you present yourself, like women are looked up 
looked looked at as oh you're not professional but if a man would be doing the same thing they wouldn't be looked at do, do you like feel like there's some biased way like for example like you could be looking good but if you were looking like a karen then you would probably and that's kind of messed up to say <laughs> it but like but if you were looking if you were looking raggedy like will your credibility be higher versus you you know getting you know getting you know your hair did everything you did you most know what I mean? definitely most definitely so i wouldn't even say karen but like a little mousy vibe you know like for example, right, when I was in my first year of law school, the uh, career counselors are like, oh, when you go to interview with a judge, the most male judges prefer skirts, like skirt suits. So sometimes they're better to wear, like it's better to wear a skirt suit. Who the hell puts that rule? I don't know. And it's like funny because I feel more confident in a pantsuit. So it's like obviously a skirt suit is more feminine, but then it's like, okay, your skirt has to be past your knees, mm -hmm. wear like pearl earrings if you can, a pearl necklace, a nice collar shirt, no perfume, uh, hair in a low bun if you can. Like it's it's all these like arbitrary rules that are so dated. Um, and it's just like times are changing. Like we can't live based on those rules. And who came up, like you said, who came up with those rules? Um, so I feel like, yeah, it's definitely like if you dress very down and toned down, you'll be taken more seriously. I don't feel like it should be like that. No, hell no. Mm -hmm. Like, can you like get on strike or do something? Like, <laughs> I mean, but, <laughs> you know what? I feel like it's like literally it's like the new generation's um, duty kind of to change that. So I feel like there's, you know, myself, a lot of, attorneys who are on Instagram and who are posting their personal lives like it's for us to change the narrative of you know like you can you can make your you can you know you can look good and be professional at the same time like you don't have to dress down to be taken seriously yeah that's kind and of I messed up like Kim K is changing that too you know like she's no, you did. <laughs> on her career <laughs> on her career of becoming an attorney and how do you feel like, about that now now that she brought that up <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, um, on, that on that whole process well, to me, like taking the whole baby part, baby bar, baby bar, um, and all that, all of that is a little different. I, I would say that it's definitely She's not cheating. Good. Is it? <laughs> is it respectful, right? Um, I wouldn't say it's like I would say the traditional route is more respectable. Um, I don't know if she's cheating because it's like, okay, she has four kids and she wants to be an attorney. There's a different way. California, you know, lawmakers allowed that, so it's one of the routes to get there. But I would, I would say, yeah, it's you know, a different route. <laughs> <laughs> but I like what she's doing um, in like the business space and just showing people that it's, you know, she's in her 40s, I, I think. Um, so it's like, you know, there's different ways to get to the same goal if you work hard enough. All right. Now, you touched on uh, dealing, especially with the uh, entertainment industry, you, you deal with intellectual property, right? Um, me creating a viral TikTok, is that intellectual property? How does that work? How can I protect myself? So with TikTok and like the social platforms, it's a di little difficult because for example, on Instagram, like you'll, you know, kind of sign your rights away in a certain sense. So if you, you can't make a, make an Instagram or TikTok video and own the rights because the platform owns the rights and you know, you're licensing your rights to them in a way. Um, but if you create content and copyright it and then post it, then you have more protection. But if you're just posting it on the social media platform, um, then yeah, it's, you give up those rights, yeah, those little platform. tiny words. <laughs> They'll, you know, it can be reposted, it can be used in different contexts. So it's yeah, you're you are giving up your rights. But I feel like it's kind of you know the give and take of it because you're posting a video, it can go viral. You'll you'll get some benefit of it. The platform is benefiting of it, so it's it's give and take. And I know we had went back, so I, I want to make sure I want to understand. I know we you know we were conversing through email right as far as trademarks and you was like no 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 <laughs> like that's kind of like the same thing so trademarks intellectual property financial benefit can you explain what i got wrong yeah and i don't you'd have to tell me the exact language but i think you you had you had posed a question that said um is it better to like trademark or license right um intellectual property but those aren't opposites so intellectual property holds like it's a bigger umbrella of trademarks and copyrights. So intellectual property is all of these things. Um, so basically trademarks and copyrights fall under intellectual property. You can license both copyrights or trademarks. So they're not like polar opposites in a way. So you can, it's not better to trademark or license because you can trade, you can license trademarks. So you would, you can own trademarks and then you can license them out. And usually it's, you'll license copyrights out. So you'll own the copyright to something, like say it's music right. or artwork, 
and then you'll license it for use. And how does the what is where what is the financial play though? Like so, am I say, hey, if you using what I created, I want like twenty percent, thirty percent of your revenue, your annual revenue. How does that how does that work? So it's more beneficial to own um, the intellectual property. So say you own your copyrights to whatever whatever you you've created, right? It could be music, it could be artwork. Um, you own the you own the copyright to it, so now you can license it to companies. So say you're creating a deal with a company and they're trying to get your intellectual property. If you try to retain it, say you're a designer, fashion designer, whatever, you you're working with a company, they want to own the IP. But if you're trying to negotiate and you're like, I want to own the IP, you'll usually take less money. If you give the company the IP, then they'll give you more money and you, you'll have the license to it. You can use it in specific scenarios, but you're giving up the rights. So you can't go back five years later and be like, hey, well, I want to use it for this other purpose. I want to use the you know designs I made for, for example, like Gucci. Whatever I designed for you, I now want to, you guys didn't use it. I want to use it for Louis. You can't do that if you give up your intellectual property rights. Mm-hmm. Now, if you license it to the company, you will probably get paid a little bit less, but you still retain those rights where now you can still you you can still have a separate deal with a different company. And the licensing is based off of time. So yo, I'll allow you to license this for about five years. And then after that, I can do what I want with it. Exactly, exactly. So it's like, uh, it can be uh, unrestricted licenses, restricted, it can be perpetuity. Um, it's just like, diff- it, it depends on what you're trying to do and like what the company wants, um, but it's, it's yeah there's different type of licenses it's exclusive non-exclusive um so yeah it, it just really depends on the deal what about with like with all these new things coming out like nfts all these you know different types of scenarios how does the like is it is the law easily apply to these type of scenarios or it's more complex so not at all because nfts and all the stuff in the metaverse um it hasn't been decided upon yet So in the next one to two years, we'll see, you know, what the lawmakers want to do in that space. But since everything like is still new and fresh, we don't know what's going to happen. So I don't know if you guys heard about the um, Hermes lawsuit with the Birkin NFTs um, that were created in, you know, the metaverse. The company that created them, they don't own the IP to the Birkin. Obviously, the Birkin was designed by Hermes, but they're using it in the NFT space and selling it. Hermes sued them, but we won't know what's going to happen in the lawsuit until, you know, a year from now, maybe even two years. And that will be a big, um, big landmark case, probably uh, with like determining what what people can do in the fashion space and with NFTs um, belonging to fashion houses. Do you think they're probably going to settle and just call it a day? I don't think I don't know, because it's it's a new it's such a new area. And I feel like Hermes is such a, you know, reputable big brand. So they they definitely want to protect their IP and their ownership of the Birkin bag. So I don't see them just settling out and I don't see the other company paying Hermes crazy amounts to, you know, settle. So I think we're going to see the lawsuit to the end. And that's kind of one of hopefully one of be the things that you, you like moving forward. It's going to design a, a new way of going about these you know, it special is, cases. It is because right now, so it's clear in the sense that if you own the IP to something, you can then create it in the metaverse and you know, you can make NFTs, but if you're just licensing it, that's like the gray area. We don't know what's gonna happen with it. So if, if you have a license, you couldn't create, like you couldn't modify that in reality, but since like NFTs are a new space, we, we just don't know what's gonna happen yet. Um, and companies are selling NFTs and creating them knowing that, you know, lawsuits are gonna take a while, so they might make a lot of money and then they'll worry about the lawsuits later on take care of it on the mm-hmm. back end yeah so would you suggest like you know for the average you know the joe or betty or you <laughs> know what i'm saying like or or Karen, Karen, yeah. right uh should if you're putting stuff out there in the metaverse and nft world should you try to get your stuff uh licensed and taken care of legally before you even do that so yes. somebody won't take advantage of you yes yeah so as an example i have a client he we negotiated his um ownership in like a design that he made for a big company and he can make an nft out of it because he owned it and it's it's a really big company but because he owns it he can use it he can make an nft out of it if he had licensed it what the company initially wanted he couldn't do that like they would for sure come after him so it's yeah if you own the ip you're good Damn, that's, that's a lot of money <laughs> right there. Yeah, I, I, dude, that, that's, that. that's pretty dope. So when it comes to like 
you know, we're, we're definitely interested in, like, obviously, like, film and television production. When it comes to that kinds of stuff and you're setting up and, you know, I, I seek your advice or your counsel for brokering a, a production deal, who determines, like, the composition rates? How does it, you know, like, every time this gets aired, I, I want this. Like, where is that determined? Is it like, yo, if you're a newbie, like, I'm going to take advantage of you, right? You ain't going to get that much. So how does that work? So I'd say with, with whether it's a production company, record label company, like structuring a brand deal, it's always the company looking at the talent and seeing, are you, like you said, are you a newbie? What have you done in the space? What are you creating? So it depends, you know, what are you trying to do? Is it documentary that you're going to shop on Hulu or Netflix? Like what are, what is a project? So everything is based on like industry standards for different projects. Um, but yeah, it's typically the production company would structure the deal and then um, give you the rates based on what they see your value as, uh, the projected numbers for whatever production you're making out, um, and industry standards, like I said. All right. How many times can you recall a time of like, say somebody came to you for your counsel and they didn't listen to you <laughs> and then they got the raw end of the deal? Uh, how many times that happened or tell, tell us a little bit about that. Because we want to know, should we be listening to you? Because I, I know you got you know, like. That happens a lot. Um, and I feel like a lot has to do with kind of, um, you know, not seeing the value of like legal or business upfront. So a lot of people will come to me and they'll be like, hey, I have this business idea. What should I do? And I'll tell them. And then they go and try to do it on their own. Like say, as an example, I had a manager. She had a new talent. She like got a template from... Google or whatever, I don't know, from online. And I'm not saying all templates are bad, but sometimes you just don't know what you're getting when you're like Googling for a template or getting something online. Um, so she got a template, she made this crazy contract um, and it messed it up for the artist. It, like it was just a really bad situation. So she comes back to me like six months later and she's like, oh, I need you to fix this. And it's frustrating because I'm like, you could have saved so much money and energy and time by just doing it the right way. The first um, yeah, and I have a lot of clients like that. And sometimes I'm like, okay, cool, I'll fix it. Sometimes I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't, like, I can't even get into it because it, it just got too crazy. But it is something about just like doing it right the first time. So like, if you're starting out a company, if you're a new artist, like just get it done right in the beginning rather than then like trying to do something on your own or hiring someone who's like not a lawyer, which happens too, like someone will hire, like hire a friend to do a document and it's missing like the most pivotal part of it. So I had another client who um, sent me the NDA that she's using and she got, you know, screwed over a little bit because um, she sent an NDA out, it didn't have the right thing. So whatever third party was started using her ideas, they took her ideas, created whatever she was trying to create and you can't protect ideas. But if you have an NDA in place, at least you have some type of protection. You know, you can go after them in court. You can sue them um, and collect damages. But this NDA didn't have a damages clause. And that's like one of the main things in an NDA. So I'm just like, where did you get this NDA? And it was- Office Depot. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I was just like, no, like, please, you know, like you'll save money in the long run by just doing it right the first time around. I think a lot of times, I mean, he's he's had a lot of dealings, not putting your business, but he he deals with lawyers. I should have been a lawyer. Yeah, so that's what he's saying. I should have been a lawyer, but yes. But no, like I I think it's the uh, the rate. You know what I'm saying? Like yo, like you charging me hundred dollars just to get on the phone. You know what I'm saying? So that that kind of discourages a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Because oftentimes, what they say is it's a thing. It's ghetto until it's accepted by society. Like, you know what I'm saying? Gucci, Louis, or the way we wear, rock our clothes. So glad you oh, brought that up. It's, it's so ghetto so glad you brought that until up. you see one of the Kim K wearing it or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Box braids or whatever it is. You know, so a lot of times those ideas, those million dollars, those beneficial ideas come from the inner city, the urban communities. But I know if I got to reach out and I got to talk to you, it's going to cost me some money. And I don't even got no money. So what's a, what's a way around that? There is there. Now, that's such a good way. I mean, that's such a good point that you bring up because so that's actually kind of what um, motivated me to start my own thing and really like help talent and help new creatives. Um, because while I was at my firm, one of my uh, not the previous one, but the first one, I had a lot of talent come to me, like referred to by friends. And I would obviously take the phone call for free. You know, I'm working at a firm, whatever. I'll you know give you a 50 minute call. 
and they would like be so clueless about what they were doing and they didn't have a large legal budget. So I would work with these people because I had a salary coming in. I was like, you know what? I'll work with you for X amount. Like once you get paid, give me, you know, a smaller fee. And that's what motivated me because I saw that a lot of people, they don't know where to go and they also don't have the budget. But now that I'm on my own, I kind of see how people, you know, value um, attorneys or accountants or whatever. I will say that it's you'll end up paying more if you don't pay that hundred dollars for the call or five hundred dollars to draft an agreement. Um, and it's just like the more I'm in the industry, the more I see it and the more stories I hear. Um, and I will say it's it's worth it because even say you're you know you're not you're not um, you haven't started out anything, but you have the idea. You have hundred dollars for going out, or you have hundred dollars to you know go yeah. get your hair done, and that's why right. you mentioned the Gucci and Louis. You know, I'll talk to people and they're like, oh, like, can I get a discount or can I, you know, pay a lesser fee? But then I see you. Look at, at like, your purse. I like Nobu <laughs> at a 500, $500 you know, dollar dinner. So I'm like, it's all about priorities. Because if, if you're starting a business, put the money into the business. Most people want to put the money into inventory or marketing or whatever. But having your business set up right is, if not as important, you know, if, if not more important, as important. Um, so I would say make the, you know, get the budget for it, like put the budget aside um, for that $100 call. Um, and I would say it, it's worth it, honestly. Um, I'll do, you know, now I charge for consultations, but I feel like I'm giving you value that's gonna propel your business and it'll be worth it in the long run. So, so there, I don't know if there's ways around it, but there's attorneys like myself who will work with you and like try to work with your budget. So I can't like wash your car a couple of weekends in a row. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you have the expertise to wash a car, you know, but no. So like, I will say I do barter deals with some people. So I have, you know, friends, like I have a friend who does marketing um, and he'll help me out with certain things. Like he worked with a big marketing agency before. He'll give me some really good game. And then I'll be like, okay, cool. I'll draft this document for you. You know, like whatever separation agreement for you. And like, we'll do barter deals. I'll do barter deals with like individuals who I feel like it makes sense. So I don't know about the car wash, but you know, yeah, if, yeah, if you have sure. like, you know, coming in the studio or something, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm like always willing to work with people. So so everything like, like you're saying sounds like a really long day. So <laughs> what, do, what do you do? You. What do you do on like, let me just chill. Like what's your, what's your hobbies? What's something that kind of presses that reset button from that long day? Um, well, I like to travel a lot, um, okay. but obviously I can't travel as much as I'd like to. Um, but that really like, you know, relaxes my mind and um, gets me unwind. But on like a regular week or day, I like to get massages. Um, I try to work out, hike, I'll go meditate like in Malibu, stuff like that. Just like kind of unwind and relax and So you fancy, you fancy, huh? You fancy, <laughs> she's like, you know what? Malibu, you know what I mean? Well, Pacific Palisades, there's like this little like, uh, hill in Pacific Palisades where I would just go and meditate and just journal, unwind a little bit. Any, any like holistic or anything approaches that you do to, you know, kind of make your body feel at ease and, and you know, just kind of chill? Well, I, it's meditation holistic, so I'll like meditate. Um, I was really into yoga before before the okay. pandemic happened. Um, I'll like do manifestation, manifestation ritual, rituals. I'll do sound baths, baths. Do, do you do you do like like do you have a bunch of notes for yourself like in the like you know when you wake up in the morning like what's like what's a ritual? <laughs> um, I you said manifestation, yeah. so you got to put them out there. So I'm very into manifestation. Um, and I so I wake up, I try not to look at my phone right away. Like my alarm goes off, obviously, but um, I'll just like light a candle or you know do a little breath work, pray, um, really like set my intentions for the day, and manifest and like figure out how I want my day to go. And then I'll start my day. And I usually work out in the morning, so I'll go to my Any gym. sage, any any of that? Yeah, yeah. sage, Do incense, all of that. All of that. I have, I'm very into crystals, so I have my little I, I could see. I could see why, you know, your your aura seems very calm, and uh, especially for an attorney, like usually they're very aggressive. You know, mm -hmm. I could see like you can get there, but you know, you're very in tune with, with, with yourself. And I think that that's, that's pretty cool. Or, or maybe this is just podcaster. <laughs> no, 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 actually, no, you're, no, you're right. I feel like, yeah, you're definitely right. I'm an Aquarius, so I'm like very calm and chill. Oh, I'm like, shit. Um, <laughs> why is it oh, oh, shit. Like, now I'm scared. I'm, I'm like, chill 90% of the time, but that 10% is very aggressive. You live in your world. 
Mm-hmm. You live in your world. That so yeah, that ten percent is very aggressive, but the ninety percent of the time is very chill. Oh damn! <laughs> what what um, what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? I mean, because like this is not. I mean, it's something that I wanted to do as a kid was practice law, oh, okay, right? Cool. But it's not something that you just wake up. You know, what I'm saying that's not common to hear somebody say, "You know what? I want to be an attorney." Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So what what keeps you going? Because I know you face a lot of challenges, you know what I'm saying? Especially on your day-to-day dealing with difficult people or yep. difficult outcomes. You know what I'm saying? You've done everything that you thought was right and it still didn't turn out the way. So what are you doing to keep yourself like like grounded? Um, well, keep myself grounded, I would say, like the praying and med- meditation stuff. But what keeps me going is just working with dope individuals. So now that I do have my own practice, um, I feel like I just attract really cool people who are doing big things in the industry. Um, and just like seeing them being game changers and create amazing stuff or um, get great deals that I can help them with, like that keeps me going, just like helping individuals really and creatives. Um, because coming from the company where like I would represent huge companies and it was more to like save them money, you know, like we'd try to do risk management and make sure that they're saving money on like litigation. Um, it's a different mindset because it's like, okay, working for a large company that it, is not really affected that much versus working with an upcoming talent or someone who's been in the industry and now you know they're in their groove already it's it's just like a different vibe um and i really enjoy that just like being more personal and helping someone out on that level i feel like it's making more of a change so so where do you see yourself like in five years from now five years from now (laughs) well i'll definitely still be an attorney um i did start a new company recently with um some business partners, uh, it's called Legal for Creatives, L4C, where we offer legal services at a low cost. So that would be one way around the crazy $100, $200 calls um, where we offer like low cost subscriptions. Kind of like legal Zoom, right? Like something- Exactly, like a legal Zoom um, for creatives and for entrepreneurs and entertainers and talent. So um, I think I'll be like working more on that and a couple of other business ventures um, that I have, that I have, like, going on and starting up um but yeah definitely being in the business and legal space okay so do you see yourself as a role model um i hear that i mean i don't like think about myself like oh my god i'm a role model but i do have a lot of people who are always like oh you inspire me like law students or like you inspire me to like you know go through this process and become an attorney and like go after my dreams so yeah i i guess so yeah for like you know people younger women um want to be in the legal and business space and what's the biggest misconception about yourself that you think people have about you honestly i don't even know i don't like i don't know <laughs> um you intimidate them some people some people yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, yeah i guess sometimes like i mean i'm very friendly pretty smiley but sometimes people will be like oh like you don't look approachable but then once they approach me i'm like very you know approachable so I guess, yeah, maybe that. <laughs> nice, nice. And if you can change something in your past, go back, do something different. Maybe from your experiences, just from passing a bar, what would you go back and make adjustments to? Is that passing the bar? Yeah, or anything. Anything related to your journey to get you where you are today. Something you was like, dang, if I had to did this, I wouldn't have maybe had struggled so much. Mm. Or maybe I would have projected myself you know what I'm saying? Maybe faster, sooner, or more oh, efficiently. Yep, yep. So that's a good question. I used to, um, I mean, I've been practicing five years now, but I used to regret um, like my high school journey a lot because Uh-oh, like- Uh-oh, what'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> nothing crazy, but so it's fun like you were talking about like, you know, like the gender roles and stuff. So I had this professor in like junior high who was always like, you spend too much time on, you know, your hair or your nails or whatever. And he was always like, if you spent that time on schoolwork, you would like be the best student or you would be this. And he would always like pick on me. And I was like, what's your problem? So he was like, you can't, you know, like you're not gonna make it to like this high school that I wanted to go to. It's like the best high school in Helsinki where I grew up in Finland. Um, And he was like, you're not gonna make it. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna show you that I'm gonna make it. So I did in fact make it. And he would always compare me to this girl who was like all about school, like a nerd, you know? Um, And my grades were good, but he would always like make those comments. So like we both got into this high school, right? Me and and the other girl. But when I got in, I felt like it was just kind of like to prove a point. 
and then I kind of like slacked off. And it was like, the program was like, um, it partnered with a lot of universities where you could have been on track to like go to Harvard or like certain schools, like automatically almost. Like if you did really good in those three years, like you would have a guaranteed spot in like Oxford or whatever. Um, and I was just like not into it. I was like, I made it, I proved my point. You know, I was coasting. I was still doing my work, but I was not like motivated anymore. And I felt like I had like a really bad burnout in high school. Um, so after that, I kind of took, I wanted to take time off and like work instead of going to college right away um, and figure out where I wanted to study. Did I want to stay in Finland and, or did I want to go somewhere else? Um, so I regretted like not taking it seriously at the time. Like I thought about it for probably like five to 10 years after that. Um, but now I'm like, obviously it doesn't matter. Like I'm, I would, I probably wouldn't be in LA had I taken that track and had I, I would probably be studying somewhere in England, um, or London or whatever. Um, but that's like an regret that I had for a long time, but now I don't really see it as a regret, but that's probably like one thing I would have probably focused a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's not a regret. It's just something I used to think about a lot. Okay. So, so like, as far as like personal life, we, we would like to dig deep, like single, married, what, what's the whole situation there and balancing out being an attorney and all that. So how, how does that work out for you? So for me, like I was like, I haven't been single in a very long time. So it's like being with someone like throughout the law school and college and all that stuff. I feel like that kind of like kept me grounded because it's like hard to date in law school. So people would always be like, oh, like, you know, how can I go about like finding a partner? And like, I would tell them like, just wait until you're done because I feel like it's hard to find someone when you're in such a crazy, um, like, you know, situation in your life. Uh, but I would say like, yeah, for me, like I, I like being in a relationship. <laughs> so yeah, so I've been, I've been <laughs> running with that. Like you, it, it, it didn't, it was never a conflict of interest as far as your career and your personal life. I would say like being with the right partner who kind of like kind of can understand a busy schedule um, is the main thing because like if you're if you're dating someone in a very very different industry or different life situation it can be challenging um, so just being with someone who understands the grind and the hustle was there like a, a culture shock because obviously I'm pretty sure it's a lot different in Finland from you know coming to LA like you straight came to hell you know what I mean like nothing to do with the other so how was that like adjusting <laughs> that's that's a good question <laughs> um i mean finland is so different it's five million people in the whole country right so it's really small um most people in my age group kind of know each other or know of each other in helsinki in the capital um so just moving out here i was young too so moving out here like everyone was against it my parents were against it I came out here with my friend and it was a culture shock because in Finland, whatever you say you're going to do, you're going to do. So like your word is your bond. Like right. there's no question about it out here. People are super flaky, <laughs> <laughs> kind of fake. So it's like, you'll come out Kinda. here, <laughs> you'll come out here. And I was just like, you know, trusting everything. And like in the beginning, I was like trying to find a job and people were just like trying to screw me over and like take advantage. and. Yeah, I just had to like learn to not really like trust people in the same way, not be as naive. Um, but I, I think it's good because like it built a thicker skin um, of just kind of like going out there and doing my own thing and like not relying on people too much. So I think it was like a blessing in disguise, kind of like not to rely on like help from anyone. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was definitely a culture shock. Uh, now like you know, twelve years later, it's it's home. Um, I have a great group of friends and just people I hang out with. Um, so I feel like in LA, like once you find your people and your niche and what you really want to do, it's it gets better, um, but it's, it can definitely take a while. Do you think it was a lot to do with the values that you had, you know, in Finland and all that, that was able to, you know, kind of situate, situate yourself regardless of all the, all the bullshit around you? Do you think that that's what kept you grounded in that aspect? Definitely, because like, I mean, Finnish people are pretty like super straightforward, not really, you know, I would say Finnish people are like not super friendly. Like if you'd go to Finland, you'd be like, damn, people are so cold. It's kind of like a New York. People are just like about their own. Do you guys business. drink a lot over there? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You have to, right? Like, you got to stay warm, right? Why does everyone say? <laughs> but yeah, definitely a lot of Finnish people like drink a lot of vodka. It's right next to Russia. So, you know, um, it's one of those places, yeah, where people drink a lot, most definitely. Um, honestly, people start drinking at like 13, 14, 15, like as teenagers. Um, but yeah, so like just having like those like 
values of like being about your word and being honest and just, you know, being about your business. I feel like that helped because I came out here and I, you know, I went out a lot and like saw a lot of stuff like was in the mix when I first moved out here. But I was like, I want to do my own thing. I'm not going to be like, I, I didn't really care about seeing like the glitz and the glam. And I feel like a lot of for some of my friends, um, they were so like blinded by it. So they got lost um, from their own path and like they kind of got off track. Um, but I was just like, no, like, you know, I want to do my own thing. I want to achieve these things. Like I want to get to a certain level. I don't care about what you have. I want to get it on my own. So I feel like, yeah, those values probably did help with just being so, more grounded. So, so, so like when you lose your shit in this, you know, city, like what is one thing that kind of calms you down, especially being away, you know, so far from home? Like what, what is something that you do to kind of put yourself together? Because I'm pretty sure it might be hard, right? Being far away from family and friends and, you know, the whole, you know, the whole nine yards. No, definitely. Um, I would say like, like I was kind of telling you guys, um, like I'll like go to the nature. I'll go like by the beach or I'll go somewhere cold. No, let me connect, you know, but like to like a meditative space, something calming where I can like journal or just like get my thoughts straight. Where it's like, because like, like you said, like being an attorney is stressful on a day to day basis. So I just like need time sometimes to like just get my mind right and be like, okay, what do I really want? Like, what are my goals? Like, let's just get back to the basics, you know? Um, and like you said, LA can be very destructive. So like, I feel like for me going out a lot and just like being out, drinking, being in the mix, being around a lot of people 24 seven, that definitely like gets me off um, off of my grind oh, sometimes. Right. Yeah, so like I'll have to go inside myself and like not see a lot of That's people. That's the Aquarius thing, you guys are friendly. It is. You guys are friendly for We're, no reason. What? You're like, I'm, ah. I'm friendly, but not too friendly. Okay. So like, yeah. I'm friendly yeah. if I know you, I'm not gonna be friendly with but, like. But, but I mean, I think I think from that perspective, you guys like the environment. Like yeah. you, guys, you guys feed off of like, you guys de deliver the energy and kind of get that back. You know what I mean? No, so you're I, right. I, I could see that. But definitely like, I feel like when I'm around people too much, then I need to like go back to my like, Give me back to your little bubble. <laughs> yeah, and then like just not see people or talk to people like that often and just get my energy back. So I definitely do need to like re-energize as well. That's awesome. Now, in, in doing my research and preparation, like it was saying like, you know, uh, the advantages of having an entertainment lawyer like in, in your corner can also open up doors of opportunity for you um, because you have access to the industry. Um, have you ever put someone in a position to where like they they came to you with an idea and you was like snaps like y'all be a good parent let me connect you with that is that something that you commonly do most definitely yeah so when when I was like doing like specifically music like that happened a lot because like say I worked on a deal for someone and I know that like an A&R was looking for a talent I was like oh my gosh like yeah like I know this upcoming kid like my artist development company uh, friends are working with him like this might be a good fit so like connecting people in the music industry but now also like with the brand deals I feel like that's a big thing because um, I, I do like fit tech deals which is like you know like mirror tonal and stuff like that um, so I feel like just being um, or having represented people with those deals or fitness deals or whatever brands it's then easier to put another talent on because I've already had the relationship with like a bigger company um, that might be looking for another content creator or influencer or talent, whatever. So yeah, definitely. Um, just like, yeah, making those deals and being in contact with people makes it a lot easier. So you saying your virtual trainer, you get deals for them guys and girls? Like the Alley Loves from Peloton? You I haven't worked with Peloton, but Mirror and Tonal, I've like represented several coaches um, wow. for their deals. Yeah. So how does that work? Like, oh no, you gotta have to break that down, right? Because you know, <laughs> can't like, give no specifics now. But <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I, I get it, but like you know, especially where we're um, living out in, in NorCal, Nor that's very common that people want to go into the fitness industry. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm in the fitness industry. I'm trying to get my feet wet. Um, like you those guys partner with agencies and try to get deals just like you know, where do you come in like how much clout do they have to have like you know what i'm saying that resume mm -hmm. like i can be like yo i just got cert yo hook me up give yeah me a deal. so that's a good question and most of them don't actually have agents or managers some do most don't um but it's it's just about like getting exposure so doing your thing and really putting yourself out there so i'll have a client who she has a pretty big following, I think like 80,000 followers. Um, she started creating YouTube videos, like just pushing her own brand. So I feel like the people who like push their brand, 
get their trademarks, like just get their, whether it's like, you know, their video content or um, even like clothing or whatever, like whatever they're trying to do is pushing their own brands out. And then like these companies will see that and they'll be like, oh, well, you have a following, you're already doing stuff. You have a platform, you're putting content out. You have people looking at you and following you that will get their interest and that will get you more stuff as a fitness trainer uh, coming your way. So uh, I've definitely seen that the, the people who are really about their brand and their business get better deals, get more compensation. Um, and it's, yeah, it's more lucrative when you're like focused on your own okay. own, own brand. <laughs> and what I also found was that most, not most of the times, but it's not out of the ordinary for your, your legal representative and entertainment to also manage you. Do you do you do that or do you offer that or how does that work for you? So for me, uh, no, I work with a couple of artists about my companies who I do business management for um, who I'll this is more more so in the music space, um, not so much in the other talent space. Um, but I'll you know, I won't manage, but I'll put them in touch with the artist development companies and they'll have their managers. Um, but for me, it's like a time constraint. Um, I can't really have time to manage. Managing an artist is a lot of work. Um, <laughs> a lot of time and a lot of energy. So for me personally, I don't do that. I know some attorneys, a few do. Um, I know some attorneys who manage like influencers, um, content creators, and I feel like that that is a little bit easier. So I do provide like business consultations for some of my influencer clients who are a little unsure of whether they want to work with an agent or a manager. Um, but for me, I personally don't do it. But I'll refer a lot of people actually like send me music and I'll send them over to like A and R's and. Artist development companies um, where where I can. Now you say they send you music. I want you to, but tell me about them times when you were like, "Yo, this is trash. I'm not sending this nowhere." <laughs> I mean, I don't say that. <laughs> I I send it over sometimes. You know, if it's terrible, I won't. But honestly, I don't always even listen to it. I'll just like send it over and I'll let them make a call. <laughs> you um, want no smoke on that. Huh? But sometimes I'll definitely hear yeah some like interesting stuff. I'm like. But sometimes it'll be good, and I'll be like, okay, there's there's potential Just here. Just work out by yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, like um, one of like my Instagram videos went kind of like viral, and I don't know if they marketed me as a manager, but after that, I started getting a lot of music and just like pitches in my inbox. I'm <laughs> like, can you manage me? And I'm just like, you know, I try to help people where I can, but I don't. Yeah, I don't do management. And then being so busy and, and doing and being involved in what you what you actually do for a living, how do you prioritize everything? You know what I'm saying? Is it, and not, I'm not saying it like that, but your biggest money makers, they get your priority. And then those who are on a on the bottom end of the scale, like, oh, I get to you when I get to you. You know what I'm saying? Because from the outside looking in, it's like, when we need something, I need it right now. Everyone right? needs it yeah, right now. Everyone's right business now. is so the how, most important. Right. So what do you do? What's your, what's your method of prioritizing your day and, and your clients? So for me, it's, I wouldn't say it's like based on the money. Um, it's more based on like the need and the timeline. So that's something I learned from litigation. So litigation, it's like, you know, you have your court deadlines, you know, your specific deadlines. Transactional work is a little different because you might have a deal. You you take your time to look over it. You know that you might have a deadline in like two weeks or a month, but there's a little more leeway there um, than litigation where it's like the court determined to determines the dates. Um, for me, it's like, okay, if I know that this deal needs to close in a week, then that's the priority. If we have something that, you know, is not as time sensitive, then that's gonna, you know, not be as important. Um, so I just try to base it up based on what's what's the most important deal like time-wise, um, where where the deal is at that point or where the client's needs are, um, like with, yeah, with the deal's timeline. For sure. And do you, you got an assistant? Are you handling it on your own? Obviously you got, that's probably a dumb I, question. I'm sorry guys, <laughs> but like you got somebody helping you. Right? Yeah, yeah. I have a legal secretary and an assistant. Um, oh. And I'm, yeah, I have, I do also like work with contract attorneys. So like I have a couple contract attorneys who work under me and then they'll assist with certain things. But I'm trying to build a team now because it's, yeah, it's a lot of work and I can't like oversee everything, so. Trying to build a bigger team. So speaking of that, like a team and, and all that, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I, I, I like like he said, I, I've been in court along <laughs> a lot of times for no uh, reasons I want to discuss in this podcast. But like relationships do mean a lot, right, within the court system. So um, one, how do you, um, you know, how is that relationship obviously within the court system? And then two, like, um, 
how do you teach that? How do you implement your team? Because I'm pretty sure you probably have some like weirdos like or some nerds that like are new to it. And, and you kind of have to, um, I mean, you could be very smart or whatever, but if you don't have the personality, the charisma to, you know, speak to people that want a, you know, skirt all the way to your knees, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> you know that's a, a special person is that if they require certain type of uh, presentation. So I'm pretty sure that's, that might be kind of hard. So how do you deal with that? Like with the team? With the team and, and, and as far as like your personal relationship within the core system, like how did you develop it? And what were some of the things that you had to dealt with as far as being new to, mm. you know, the legal system? So I externed for a judge. Um, so that means that like I worked for him on, for the summer. I did legal research, I watched the cases, I talked to him about why he decided what he decided on cases, and he did all business litigation. So it was super interesting just to kind of like get a piece of his mind and like why he would make certain decisions and rulings. Um, and I kind of kept in touch with him. I continued working for him here and there. Um, so I would say that was like one of my biggest um, relationships in the court system. So just learning a lot from him, like hearing him, you know, speak a lot of speak on different topics and stuff but i would say in the courtroom it's also very important to have a good relationship with like your opposing counsel um so i don't i don't really go to court much anymore but just having that good rapport with certain counsel where it's like you don't you don't want to be argumentative or nasty for no reason so you know like if you have a good relationship with certain attorneys you can just get on the call try to resolve it without even like doing the formal process um, so I feel like that makes it easier. Like when you have, you know, you've worked on certain cases, you know, you've worked with certain law firms. So now you can call an associate or a partner at the law firm and be like, hey, you know, I'm representing such and such. Can we get on a call and like try to hash it out before even, you know, going the formal route. Um, so I will say that just like keeping those relationships up and keeping those lines of communication open. Um, as far as the team goes, um, I'm pretty controlling with that. So I feel like <laughs> I, it's Stop being weird. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like my, my, one of my like, you know, negative traits, but I don't really want to give all the authority to someone who was like working under me. And I do kind of micromanage certain aspects of it. So um, I like, I want the drafts of the emails before they go out to a client. Um, and I just want to kind of control it before it goes out just to make sure that it's you know in alignment what I'm well i mean doing. you put in the work you know yeah. what i mean you've put it, you developed the relationships and um once again and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not easy being a woman in this industry it's not so yeah. so you have to you know kind of take care of and, and and protect your you know your reputation yeah and obviously them working under you it's they're representing you in in a sense right so i'm pretty sure that that can be a little um touchy yeah definitely so yeah i try to control it <laughs> where, where i can and then just handle like the bigger things myself nice nice. so no now this brings me to another question right so control freak right what <laughs> we already talked about the meditation right listening to music journaling whatever it is so when something in your opinion is has an appearance of not being in your grasp what do you do? Because I, I think you have a hard time probably dealing with dealing with things that don't have the predicted outcome that you expected them to have. So what are you doing to like, you know what? Let me get back. Let me get back to me. Let's let's let's, let's review this. Yeah, because I, I, that's funny that you say that because I can see that. That's why when he, he was like, oh, you're friendly. You're just giving out these positive vibes. And I'm like, nah, because like, you, you, you know, you. To me, in, in my opinion, like you, you have this instructor like type thing, and and it's look, I'm teaching you the right way, and the way I'm teaching you is going to make you prosperous and it's going to help you develop you in your in long term, but you got to do it my way. So what, what? How do you get over that? I'm working on it honestly because I feel like. Um yeah, I just like like to control everything in my life and you can't always control it. And I've learned it like, you know, in the past few years, I feel like I've just had like things happen in my personal life where it's like you can't control everything. So I'm learning how to let things go and just accepting what comes to me um, in personal life, in work life. I'm still working on that. So I haven't found a solution yet. But You're still smacking uh, them. <laughs> but, I, but I, yeah, I mean, I try to be, you know, an understanding boss. I've read some books about it. My mom was like in a leadership role. She had like 300 people working under her. So like, you know, tried to kind of learn different routes of 
not being not being too assertive or not being too demanding um, and trying to work with the individual and communication is key in my opinion and, and speaking of that who who's your role model yeah. who's that who's that person that you reach out to and especially when you're having a rough day like who puts you together um i would say definitely my mom is like my role model in like the business and like just like you know life and just handling certain things in a good way um and yeah then i just like you know bounce off a lot of ideas like with my friends my men my sister and just getting perspective um but yeah i would say like meditating too and just like being in my own thoughts and being like trying to process like i'm a big thinker so i'm just like always trying to like process different outcomes and just think about you know different ways of doing things. But I would say, yeah, my mom is definitely like one of my role models. Nice. Now you said your mom's from? Finland. And your dad is from? Nigeria. How, how did that happen? <laughs> Tell us that story. So yeah, it is interesting. So I mean, Nigeria is very far from Finland. It's, you know, in West Africa. <laughs> <laughs> most most Nigerians definitely don't go to Finland. But um, so my dad's brother, my uncle had gotten a scholarship in his, I think his like 20s, early 20s. Um, to study in Finland in this random town, like five hours from the capital. So he was studying there. My mom was studying. Um, she was in. They were both in university, um, and they met in university. So so no. So my dad, my uncle went first, and then he brought his brother. Nice. He, like he applied for the same scholarship, and then my dad moved, and they met in university. And what to do, right? Like, <laughs> the, the rest is history. Yeah. Here I come. <laughs> but it is here. Very, I am very like, random. Yeah. Right. Um, but I will say, like, in the 80s, um, like, a lot of, like, not a lot, but some African um, men moved to Finland and other Scandinavian countries and, you know. What what culture there. are you more in tune with? The Finland or the other side? Um, Finland or the Finnish culture. Um, I would say now, like, more, like, I would say now American culture a little bit because I've been here for 12 years, um, like, my adult years. Um but I would say definitely more of the Finnish side than the Nigerian, just because I've, I've only been to Nigeria once. Um, and I haven't met all of my Nigerian uh, family members, which I'm like, planning to do hopefully this year or next year. Um, so I'm not super familiar with the culture. I had um, my like my cousins and my aunt and my uncle living in Finland when I was growing up, but still I'm not super immersed in the Nigerian culture. So definitely like the Finnish culture is more, more familiar to me. Nice. And any like cool traditions that, that like, you guys have in um, Finland? Well, Santa Claus is from Finland. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, no, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for, from, like, the North Pole, you know? Well, um, that Lapland. settles that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I would say, like, it's just, um, I feel like, yeah, like, the Christmas traditions, it's, like, very, you know, like, Christmas is big in Finland. Um, we have midsummers, which is so, like, the sun doesn't set in the summer. Oh, because shit. Because it's so close to the North Pole. So it's, like, literally light 24 hours a day. Um <laughs> That's Stuff harsh. Like, yeah, for the average person. Yeah, so you're at the club to. in the daytime? Yeah. yeah. It's like light when you come outside, literally for like a week or two. Or even more. Like wow. a month. It's disturbing, right? Like it, it kind of messes with your mind, right? <laughs> a little, yeah. If you don't have curtains, it's hard to sleep. Um, but it's cool, too, because it's like, you know, you're outside and it's light and it's it's night, but it's it's light outside. Oh, shit. Um, dope, dope. That's dope. <laughs> hey, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is gonna, uh, we're coming to the end of our show, all right? And as always, always open up the microphones and the table to our guests um, and our co-hosts, the other half of the show, to share any things, parting words um, with the listeners and the viewers, all right? And this opportunity, I'm gonna allow our special guest today. Uh, is there anything you would like to share um, and leave with those who are watching or are listening? Well, um, we already touched upon it a little bit, but legal representation is really important. So, you know, just find an attorney who will work with you. Just ask your questions. Just do it the right way, like from the get go. Um, and other than that, I would say, like we talked about manifestation. I feel like you can manifest anything you want in life. I've manifested my whole life of like coming to America <laughs> um, and all that stuff. So I definitely, you know, encourage everyone to just go after their dreams and create what you want, be what you want, do what you want. Anything is possible. Okay. GQ Nesto. So uh, first off, I want to thank every all, all of our listeners and you know people watching. Uh, thank you for all the support. You know, uh, please follow, comment, um, all the above, and and also um, I think one thing we learned in this episode was um, 
you don't have to be ugly to be heard. You know what I mean? Dress up nice. You know what I mean? Let's change the trend. You know what I mean? I think it's important, no, to have some self um, uh, appreciation. And, you know, if if you can't do it, the world's not going to do it for you. So, you know, don't don't shy away from that. Um, ob obviously, dress to impress. And, you know, uh, especially for all the ladies out there, you know, be a boss lady. You know what I mean? Simple as that. You know, carry that with with uh, pride and, and honor, so. I nice. feel like be you, you know, like do your thing. Like don't let other people tell you that you 100%. can or cannot do something. 100%. And as always, I'm always, you know me, I'm a God-fearing man. All things are possible with the most high. Um, I'm your boy, Drew. We are option for it. Thank you for being our guest today. Thanks for having me. Let's collab again. Guys. Let's talk again. We love you. We thank you. Make sure you subscribe, like, comment, like GQ Nestle said. And we love you. We thank you for all the support. See you guys next time. Peace.